Welcome to Whole Healthy Living with your host, Sharon Brennan. Our show will provide the expert information you need to clean up your body and environment to live a vibrant life. You'll learn about harmful toxins, detoxification, proper nutrition, and much more. Learn how you can live clean in our toxic world. Now, here is Sharon Brennan. Welcome back to Whole Healthy Living, Clean Living in a Toxic World. I'm your host, Sharon Brennan, licensed and board-certified holistic health coach and nutritionist. I'm excited to have Dr. Stephanie Seneff back for you this morning. For those who missed our first show together, Dr. Stephanie Seneff is a senior researcher at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She has a bachelor's degree from MIT in biology with a minor in food and nutrition and a PhD in electrical engineering and computer science also from MIT. She's an author of more than 150 peer-reviewed journal and conference proceeding papers. Until 2007, her research was mostly in natural language processing. Since then, she's focused on research in the area of environment, nutrition, and health, and she has published over 20 papers on these topics in medical and biological journals. Her most recent research has focused on the toxicants, aluminum, and glyphosate. She proposes that low-nutrient food combined with, I'm sorry, she proposes that low-nutrient food combined with pesticides and toxic metals play a crucial role in many modern conditions and diseases, including heart disease, diabetes, obesity, neuropathy, gastrointestinal problems, thyroid cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to clear something up before we move forward here, and that is yesterday I actually posted the show on Monsanto's Facebook page and received some snarky comments from them regarding the quality of your research as well as your background. Um, Somebody actually made the snarky comment that maybe you could help them recover their Yahoo password. I I found it quite entertaining, but can you clear up for our listeners um, the nonsense that is published on the internet, discounting your background with biology, nutrition, and food? I mean, I first want to say that it really um, makes me upset that this is the game that's played with these chemicals because they're playing with children's lives here, and our children are, are at risk. And to basically shoot the messenger seems like so much, so immature, really. Rather than well, it's also affecting adults, issues. too. <laughs> it does affect the adults. It certainly does. And, uh, but it, I, I really feel for the children. I just find it so tragic what the children have to face today, and they shouldn't have to face this, and our government won't, won't face up to it. I have an undergraduate degree in biology, as you mentioned, from MIT. I won awards. I won an award, for example, as a sophomore, as the sophomore most likely to succeed in the field of chemistry. And, uh, you know, I p- my Ph.D. is in computer science, electrical engineering. My, my thesis was on an auditory model for uh, human auditory processing. So I've always been at the boundary between biology and, and uh, engineering and computer science. Those three together, I think, are quite a remarkable uh, combination because the engineering gives you an understanding of electricity, and electricity is so important in the body. The uh, biology, of course, is essential to understand biological mechanisms. And then the computer science, that one is uh, 
extremely important because it allows you to go in and gather um, lots and lots of papers and analyze the word frequencies and discover correlations, build patterns. I mean, it helps you think. The computer science is really desperately needed by the biologists to be able to make sense of this overwhelming, detailed biological data that they face. It's very hard to see the signal in the noise unless you have something like a computer to help you do that. I'm impressed. So we have cutting-edge information today on glyphosate. Share with us your most recent findings, Dr. Seneff. You mentioned, well, uh, you, you mentioned you feel strongly that glyphosate may now be in the flu vaccine and others, such as the MMR, yeah. by mistake. Let's talk about that. Right. Now, I think there's an incredible new insight that Anthony Samsel has had in the last few months. And at first, I didn't believe him. Uh, he and I have written four papers together so far on glyphosate, various aspects. It's a very uh, amazing molecule in terms of, what, of the different ways it can affect biology. Uh, one of its most important features, I think, at this point, is, it's, is the fact that it's hiding inside the glyphosate molecule is a glycine molecule. Glycine is one of the 20 basic amino acids that are building blocks of proteins. And, and I had already been aware that one of the ways in which glyphosate disrupts biology is by pretending to be glycine and confusing the biology, which is, you know, this is very, uh, glycine is a neurotransmitter, so, you know, messing up its ability to work as a neurotransmitter. Um, other functions that glycine has, it goes into glutathione, for example, so there are various ways. It's a precursor to important molecules like heme, which goes into hemoglobin, which goes into red blood cells. All of those things are going to be messed up by glyphosate pretending to be glycine. But the one that Anthony suggested two months ago was that glyphosate could be getting into protein synthesis by mistake. And uh, as soon as he said that, I was at, at first very skeptical. I thought, no, that can't happen. But then he sent me a paper that showed that, in fact, the protein-making machinery is not perfect, and they know that it substitutes synthetic amino acids in place of the real ones by mistake. This happens in biology. And once you say, suppose it could happen, suppose glyphosate could go into the protein instead of glycine, what would be the consequences? And then you research the literature, as we did, and you find out which proteins absolutely have to have glycine at that place. Uh, you say, oh, my God, because all of a sudden you can explain why one chemical could be responsible for all those diseases that it's correlated with. So we were very happy, and we've worked very hard on a new paper, which unfortunately has not yet been published, and so we're hoping that we can get it published um, the ideas are stunning. I mean, the results are, are remarkable. We were really blown away by what we found. And so is it actually in the flu vaccine? Well, so yes, and you asked me that question. Or speculated. And I think it is in the flu vaccine because there's gelatin in the flu vaccine. The vaccine is a live virus that's grown on gelatin. The gelatin typically comes from the tendons of cows or perhaps pigs, and these animals are fed a, con a steady diet of GMO Roundup-ready corn and soy feed with very high residue limits allowed by the government, much higher than they allow for humans. It's been shown uh, that the glyphosate shows up in all their tissues. People have done studies to show that. And, so, uh, and the collagen comes from, I mean, the uh, gelatin comes from collagen, which contains tons of glycine. So as soon as you think about that, you think, oh, my God, it's going to have glyphosate in instead of glycine in some of those places. And therefore, it, it seems very plausible to me that there could be, and this has not been tested, somebody should be testing this, that there could be glyphosate in the vaccine by mistake. And it's sort of a Russian roulette that you're playing when you get a vaccine because you don't know how much glycine, glyphosate is in the particular injection that you're getting. But if, if there is glyphosate 
And there's also glutamate, which is known because glutamate is also a major component of the gelatin. Glycine and glutamate together will excite the NIMDA receptors in the brain and turn it on fire. And so you see this kind of inflammatory brain reaction in some cases. Also, MMR is much more toxic today than it was uh, in the past. I did a study on, on the VARS database um, looking at from 1990 to 2000 to the end, which is you know the whole series of the database, dividing it in half, looking at the early data before 2002 versus the late data, looking at statistical counts of the frequencies of different reactions, and finding that things like coma and death and, and, and seizures um, and hospitalization are much more common today than they were back then. And so it's the same vaccine. So the difference, I think, might be the presence of glyphosate. Hmm. And so what about gut integrity? How is that impairing gut integrity? So the glyphosate is a patented antimicrobial agent. It's very easy to, uh, to see that it would disrupt the gut. We've had a lot of discussion about um, antibiotics, the overuse of antibiotics. In fact, the overuse of antibiotics in, in feeding in animals is a serious problem. But glyphosate itself is essentially an antibiotic, and in fact, it's been shown to preferentially kill the beneficial bacteria, for example, lactobacillus. Lactobacillus critically depends on manganese, and glyphosate makes manganese unavailable, and so that makes lactobacillus shrinks their count. Ordinarily, when a child is born, lactobacillus takes over the gut and keeps the pathogens out. But because the lactobacillus is not thriving, then the pathogens have a chance to overgrow and you get an inflammatory gut, you get a leaky gut, you get all these gut issues that these many of these autistic kids, for example, face, and many other people today are dealing with gut problems. Um, I think that glyphosate is a major player, and in fact, glyphosate can also be uh, the, a major player in the uh, epidemic we're seeing in uh, multiple resistant uh, pathogens. You know, we have a huge problem in the hospitals today with people going in to get a um, a, a minor uh, operation and coming out dead because they pick up some infection in the hospital and they can't fight it. No matter what antibiotics you throw at it, the, the, the bug grows. Um, things like C. difficile or Pseudomonas rubinosa, MRSA, you know, staph MRSA, uh, multi-resistant staph aureus. These things can uh, can kill somebody uh, who's just going in for an innocent uh, uh, procedure. And uh, what's interesting, and papers have been written to show that glyphosate actually trains the pathogens to become very skilled at, at uh, resisting all, um, all of the antibiotics. What, what it does is it teaches them, they learn a skill of being able to ditch stuff. So things come into the cell and the cell can push it out really efficiently with this new skill that's acquired through, through chronic low-dose exposure to glyphosate. So I think glyphosate could be one of the big reasons why um, we have we face this antibiotic resistant problem in the hospitals and of course in in outside world as well hmm. so uh, what what's concerning is why you know, i I read somewhere a long while ago that our government actually has stashes of silver hydrosol in the event of biological warfare now silver hydrosol a nanoparticle silver, not a colloidal, because the colloidal does build up in the body, but silver hydrosol acts as a natural anti antibiotic, but it also kills pathogens without destroying gut integrity. Why wouldn't they use something like that? You know, like, why? I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to ask them. I don't know. It's... Uh, people are trying to find other ways. I know that, you know, the Russians have some ways of dealing with microbes that are very different from the way we do, and I think we should be learning from some of the other countries how to 
how to deal with uh, microbes without having to use these antibiotics. We need to find a different way. My personal belief is that as long as you have enough sulfur and your body is very well populated with sulfate in particular, which is an anion that contains sulfur and four oxygen models of negative charge, um, that I have determined that molecule to be extremely important for health. And if you've got plenty of it, you're healthy. If you don't, you're sick. I actually think it's that simple. Okay. And so because the glyphosate kills gut bacteria, which impairs the body's ability to efficiently burn calories, and after the bacteria die off, most people are unable to burn as many calories as they ingest, resulting in obesity. Let's talk about weight and obesity and glyphosate. Right. Well, obesity, actually, I've discovered a new way to explain obesity and glyphosate, which is quite stunning, as I mentioned, with this idea that glyphosate could insert itself into uh, protein synthesis because there's a gene, uh, there's a protein that's called hormone-sensitive lipase, lipase, L-I-P-A-S-E, a really important protein. And one of its important jobs is to pull fat out of fat cells to supply fuel under conditions of stress. And so... What's happening, I think, is that, that that particular protein has a glycine that it has to have. It has to have a glycine at that position. If it's not glycine, it doesn't work. And glyphosate would be predicted to mess up the function of that protein, actually prevent it from getting to the membrane to be able to pull the fat out of the fat cells. So it's very easy to see that what's going to happen is that the fat is going to get stored in the fat cells, and then it will get stuck there and you will slowly accumulate more and more fat because this protein isn't working. It's a very, very simple explanation for how glyphosate could cause obesity. I've talked about other ways as well, and these are also in play. For example, serotonin is a is a um, an appetite regulator. If you have low serotonin, you, uh, some people react to low serotonin by eating, overeating. And serotonin is a, uh, is a, a neurotransmitter that is, comes directly from the shikimate pathway, the, the, the uh, pathway shikimate oh, right. yeah. is the pathway that glyphosate disrupts in plants, and it also disrupts that pathway in microbes, in the gut microbes. We depend so much on our gut microbes for so many nutrients. I'm realizing more and more all the B vitamins, and of course these neurotransmitters, there's these uh, aromatic amino acids. These are three other, I mentioned glycine, one of the 20, there's three that come out of this aromatic pathway, which is the shikimate pathway, and our gut microbes produce those aromatic acids for us using the pathway that glyphosate blocks. So those microbes, including, of course, lactobacillus, will be unable to produce enough of the precursors to the neurotransmitters, one of which is serotonin. Um, There's also melatonin. There's also melanin, the skin tanning agent. There's also thyroid hormone, dopamine. All of these things are coming from those amino acids that are produced by our gut microbes, by the pathway that glyphosate disrupts. So you can expect all of them to be deficient, and serotonin deficiency can lead to obesity. Hmm. Obesity is certainly a problem in our society, and you definitely feel strongly that it's associated with glyphosate. Yeah, in fact, if you look at the data, it's interesting because you can go all the way back to 1900 and you see a very slow rise, maybe after 1950, a slow slope of gradually getting fatter up to 1975. 1975, it takes a corner, it turns a corner, and we start getting fatter faster at 1975. That's when glyphosate was introduced into the food chain. And then we've just continued to get fatter and fatter since then. It's, you Americans are incredibly overweight. And you see other countries, you know, like in the Mideast, um, the, uh, the, the uh, Saudi Arabia, the, uh, yeah, like Saudi Arabia and those small countries, um, 
in the Mideast. Uh, the people are really having a problem with obesity there recently as they've adopted really a diet of uh, processed foods coming out of uh, America. I think they start to get exposed to glyphosate. They start to get fat, too. So you sort of see it, the wave of obesity following the wave of adoption of processed foods from America around the world. Well, I will say that it is in just about everything. With that said, we're going to take a short break here, and we will be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Victory Nutrition International is a company that developed with the vision of truly transforming lives. Our liquid, multivitamin, and mineral is unlike any other on the market today. Designed by seasoned professionals using the latest proprietary technology, it is the only supplement that delivers more than 100% nutrition directly into your cells and changes cells in just five minutes. Most of us are not consuming the nutrition we need, which contributes to degeneration, deterioration, decay, premature aging, and disease. Please visit vnilife.com forward slash whole healthy living and order your sample today. The Weston A. Price Foundation provides accurate information on nutrition and health. Find out why butter is a health food. What's wrong with modern soy products? And why good health is found in the wise food traditions of our ancestors? Visit our informative and fascinating website at www.westonaprice.com. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wholehealthylivingradio at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Stephanie, what other cutting-edge information do you have? Um, you know, what have you come across within your research most recently within the past couple of months? Um, oh, one thing that I'm very much interested in right now is this whole situation in Brazil playing out with the Zika virus and the microcephaly. It's mm. tragic what's happening to these children in Brazil that are being born with a small brain, and you can imagine the consequences of that. Um, it reminds me very much of anencephaly, which is really the same thing except an extreme form where there's anencephaly means no brain, and there's been an epidemic. I had already studied, looked into uh, an epidemic in anencephaly occurring in Yakima, Washington State, uh, in the United States, in an area um, where they have, and what I, what I, my research revealed, in fact, Don Huber revealed this. He's an expert 
on glyphosate that they had greatly increased the amount of glyphosate they were using to control the weeds in the waterways in the years when they had started getting this massive increase in this very, very rare disorder called anencephaly. And so uh, Don, John Huber believes glyphosate is the cause, and so do I. And in fact, I have looked into how glyphosate could be causing these problems with brain development, including, by the way, autism, which these things are really kind of two sides of the same coin. Uh, autism is also a, a disruption in brain development. Um, it comes out different, but it has also devastating effects on, on the function of the brain. And um, all of these things can easily be tied to glyphosate through glyphosate's known mechanisms. And in fact, there's many ways in which glyphosate could, could lead to these uh, conditions. One, for example, is folate deficiency. And uh, folate is well known to be a factor in, um, in this, these kinds of developments of the nervous system called, you know, um, neural tube neural tube issues such as spina bifida and then anencephaly, microcephaly, also exencephaly, which is where you have a bulging thing out of the back of the brain of over an overabundant amount of cerebral spinal fluid. All of these things are connected to uh, disruption in neural tube development, and folate deficiency has been well tied to that. In fact, U.S. government interestingly implemented a law requiring folic acid supplements uh, fortification in wheat-based products in 1998 because they were noticing a rise in spina bifida and they were concerned about it. So they were making sure that pregnant women, in fact, in particular, are encouraged to take folic acid, particularly in the early months, to try to prevent this from happening. And so folate is one of the products of the shikimate pathway that glyphosate disrupts. So you can expect glyphosate to mess up folate. The other thing is that for that same pathway, folate feeds into the methylation pathway, and so they believe that spina bifida and that these developmental problems are related to uh, impaired methylation. And the methyl that is provided for the methylation comes from glycine. And so once you think, oh, my God, glycine, that's going to be glyphosate-disrupting glycine. And, in fact, glyphosate can disrupt the the, uh, pathway that, uh, that converts glycine into this methyl group called the glycine cleavage system. Um, glyphosate could disrupt that, first of all, by pretending to be glycine and messing it up, but also because the enzyme, one of the enzymes in that pathway has a conserved glycine that could get replaced with glyphosate, and then that enzyme would not work. And so this would cause both a buildup of glycine that cannot be metabolized and uh, an insufficient supply of methyl groups to a system that already has an insufficient supply of folate, which goes with the methyl group to be able to produce the methylation pathway. So that pathway is completely messed up in that regard. The other thing is that glyphosate uh, most likely disrupts uh, very important proteins that have to do with DNA repair. So when DNA is multiplying, when something is growing, as in a fetus, and cells are multiplying, they have to make more DNA. And making DNA is a very tricky uh, process. There's lots of mistakes are made, and there are all these mechanisms to fix those repairs, fix those mistakes, undo them and repair them. Um, using various enzymes, and I've identified at least two. Uh, one's called polynucleotide kinase 3-phosphatase, and the other one is a class of DNA PK. So these are sort of technical terms, but these are enzymes that can, can phosphorylate and dephosphorylate to repair the DNA. And we've identified uh, conserved glycines in both the phosphorylation and the dephosphorylation enzymes um, in uh, that would absolutely have to be glycine in order for the enzyme to work. So, again, you get glyphosate substituting for the glyphosate, glycine, messing up the enzyme, preventing 
the ability to repair the errors in the DNA, and then you're going to get into a real catastrophe with uh, mistakes in DNA synthesis. And that's also linked to microcephaly and also seizures and uh, autoimmune issues, immune uh, deficiencies. All those things can be tied to impaired function. This has been shown in genetic uh, studies of people who have defective versions of these, of these proteins that they end up with things like microcephaly, uh, seizures, and um, uh, poor immune function. These are all things that we're seeing uh, today uh, in increasing numbers. Hmm. So I, I recently read somewhere, either in social media, so, somewhere on the Internet, that this is the next polio uh, that, that this, yeah, well, so polio has a story behind it, which I'm really fascinated to learn. And I had learned it earlier, and then I read it in Suzanne Humphrey's book. Suzanne Humphrey wrote, I think, the best book on vaccines called Dissolving Illusions. I recommend it to everybody to read that book from cover to cover. It's what, it, what is that once again? Dissolving Illusions. And it has a subtext, but I forget what the subtitle is. But Dissolving Illusions is the, is the name. Suzanne Humphrey, she's wonderful. She's an MD. Uh, very outspoken about vaccines, and um, she showed, and she has a whole history of vaccines there, which is absolutely fascinating. I mean, we think that vaccines, of course, they have to be there. They're, they're so essential to our, you know, we've got this framing of the story that is incorrect, and obviously vaccines have only been uh, in our, in, in human history, they've only been around since the late 1800s, so it's not like we've had them forever, you know, and we have not We've been very careless in not adequately testing the vaccines to see what kind of harm they might come. We have not even tried to actually measure the risk-benefit ratio. The government just seems to assume that whatever risks there are, it must be worth it. Um, at some point, the risk-benefit ratio doesn't work anymore, that the diseases you're protecting from are not nearly as bad as the, as the injury you're causing by the vaccines that you're using to protect. And in the case of polio, it's a very uh, remarkable story because you see the rise and fall of paralytic polio in step with the rise and fall of DDT use. And I believe, and Suzanne Humphrey believes this too, that it's the DDT that was causing the paralysis and the polio virus was being targeted as the, um, the scapegoat for this. And as soon as the DDT disappeared, the polio disappeared too, but they also put the vaccine in at exactly that same time. So the vaccine got credit for what the DDT, uh, taking away the DDT had achieved. And this was wonderful because it convinced everybody that vaccines are terrific. Once you, you know, once you saw, wow, this polio vaccine fixed this problem, people were completely on board. So they achieved an incredible goal of um, misleading us into thinking that vaccines are great and that DDT is fine too. So it, it, they're doing the same thing right now, I think, with Zika because in Brazil, northeastern Brazil is a field of, uh, of GMO Roundup-ready corn, soy, and cotton. So they've got tremendous exposure to glyphosate right there in the fields, in the environment, the people that are living there. So they've already got a glyphosate burden for sure in the air, in the water, and, uh, and probably in the food too because they're probably eating, you know, um, GMO foods, glyphosate-contaminated con foods. And then you get on top of that the, DTAP, the Tdap vaccine in... Um, in, uh, apparently in 2014, I've been digging, digging into the Internet to try to figure this out, but what, what I see is that in 2014, the end of 2014, Brazil got very aggressive about making sure that pregnant women were receiving the Tdap vaccine at some point during the pregnancy. And Tdap is an adult form of DTAP, which is diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. 
and it contains aluminum, and aluminum, I've written papers about aluminum toxicity in the brain. Aluminum is a nasty, nasty metal, and it will, it will fry the brain in various ways. I've, I've studied it intensely. On top of that, I've written a paper on the synergistic toxicity of aluminum and glyphosate, particularly in the pineal gland, because as I see it, the glyphosate, it, because it chelates metals, it's going to bind to the aluminum, carry the aluminum to the pineal gland. It's out, pineal gland is outside of the blood-brain barrier, and the pineal gland is going to be very disrupted by this, uh, both the aluminum and the glyphosate, which will become, glyphosate will unload its toxic metal when it gets into the more acidic environment at the terminal watershed of the blood. So as the blood gets to the end, end of the game, uh, end of the line, it becomes more and more acidic. And, and glyphosate lets go of metals in acidic environments. So it's a perfect um, opportunity for glyphosate to carry aluminum that's in the vaccine uh, to the pineal gland and ruin the pineal gland. This is going to cause things like sleep disorder. We have an epidemic in sleep disorder. The rates are going up in the United States in step with the increased use of glyphosate on corn and soy crops. And sleep disorders connected to all kinds of neurological diseases, including autism and also Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. I mean, just about everything you can think of that's a neurological disease is associated with sleep disorder. I believe the reason is because um, the pineal gland normally releases melatonin sulfate into the uh, cerebral spinal fluid at night while you sleep, and that sulfate, melatonin is delivering sulfate to the neurons to allow them to clear the garbage because the sulfate is essential in the lysosomes where they take in the debris. That You know, you get debris from broken proteins just by being exposed to things like oxygen and, um, and sugar. You know, these things damage uh, the, the, the machinery of the cell. These damaged molecules have to be cleared, and the proteins have to be broken down, and you can't break them down if you don't have enough sulfate. You also can't break them down if they contain glyphosate, and what I think is happening with things like amyloid beta, which is, connect, which is gathering during um, Alzheimer's disease, is that the amyloid beta, turns out, they also contain conserved glycines. Uh, those, those, the glycines have been targeted as the problem in amyloid beta, which is remarkable because the glycine has been conserved. That means it's supposed to be there. It's supposed to work. So the question is, why is the glycine not working anymore? I think it's because it's been substituted with glyphosate. That produces a fragment of a busted protein that cannot be broken down, and therefore it just accumulates in the cell and causes trouble. Hmm. So um, where are we? So now we have the Tdap vaccine which is grown on, it's not grown on gelatin, I checked that, but it's grown on casein, which is equivalent, maybe even worse, because casein also contains glycine. Casein is a protein in milk. Moms across America did a study and showed that even women in America who were conscientiously trying to avoid GMO foods had uh, levels of, um, of glyphosate in their breast milk, and uh, the highest levels were more than 1,600 fold higher than the upper limit allowed in water in Europe. So women's breast milk has glyphosate. It makes sense because glyphosate substituting for glycine in the protein in milk. I think this may also be why we have so many kids with casein intolerance today. We have gluten intolerance and casein intolerance. I suspect in both cases uh, this is due to glyphosate contamination in the protein. Uh, gluten, of course, is wheat. Wheat is, is routinely now, as far as I understand, it's sprayed with glyphosate right before the harvest in order to kill it. It's not a GMO crop, but it's sprayed with glyphosate right before the harvest. So the wheat's going to have glyphosate. The milk's going to have glyphosate. The milk that's, uh, that's used to produce the amino acids that the uh, virus is grown on in the Tdap is going to have glyphosate too, it seems to me. Now, this, again, has not been tested. 
This is just a theory, but it makes sense to me. So now you get this Tdap vaccine with aluminum and glyphosate already in it. Well, aluminum it, binds a- to glyphosate and causes damage, as I've shown. And so it seems to me the combination of living in that area where there's tons of glyphosate in the environment, probably also, by the way, other herbicides, because they're having a lot of trouble with glyphosate-resistant weeds. So who knows what other new herbicides are being added into the mix growing those crops more recently because of the issues with the resistant weeds. On top of the glyphosate, on top of the aluminum, it's, it's a wonder that microcephaly is all that these kids have, you know. And, and, it's, well, and studies have shown, studies from South America have been published that show uh, a link between microcephaly and in children and uh, toxic exposure to chemicals in agriculture. I think what happens, Stephanie, is that you people develop a, a burden when you've been slammed by all these different toxins and everything's going wrong in the body, I mean, obviously people are going to develop di- develop disease. Um, one thing I was looking at that I thought was really interesting was the U.S. EPA um, National Adipose Tissue Survey. And uh, that was back in 1982. But back then, even, they were looking at compounds like sterine, um, one for, I can't even say some of these words, dichlorobenzene, right. um, xylene, ethylphenol, TCDD dioxin, nine other chemicals, mm-hmm. PCBs, and every one of these uh, toxins and chemicals, the frequency in which they saw it within adipose tissue was 100%. The only one that was at 83% was PCBs. So what does that tell you? Then too, I mean that's amazing. And another Uh thing that I've talked about with glyphosate then is that glyphosate messes up a critical class of enzymes in the liver called cytochrome P450 enzymes. These are the cyp enzymes. They are absolutely essential. These cyp enzymes for detoxing all these other chemicals that these sort of um, fat soluble chemicals that we're being exposed to, like the PCBs, and so um, and, and polyphenols. You know all these things that are. Uh, that are now all over the place in our environment, we would have been better able to dispose of them if we didn't also have glyphosate, which is going to mess up our disposal system. And therefore, we're forced to accumulate them in those those fat tissues. Um, So on top of not being able to release the fat because of the protein that's broken, you also have a tendency to collect fat tissue in order to be able to store them if you don't get fat, then you're going to store them in your brain, and your brain is going to get sick. So you've really got a difficult situation there with respect to a choice between either getting fat or having brain fog, you know? Right, right. Well, I'm sure there are many people out there saying, what can I do to protect myself and my family? And you and I talked at one point about organic diets and um, the importance of an organic diet, but we also know that the organic crops are also being... Uh, exposed to glyphosate. We've got two minutes before our next commercial break, Stephanie. Let's okay, so I'll say start quickly, with this um, and then we'll finish it after our break. Certified organic, yeah. Certified organic cannot use glyphosate on the crops, which is good. But of course, there could be glyphosate in the manure that they're using because the manure is coming from cows that are exposed to glyphosate. So you cannot, and in the water, because it's in the water, it's in the rain. I mean, it's really measured, it's measured at oversight. Um, 70% of the rain samples, I think, that were measured in a study had glyphosate. So, you you know, you cannot get rid of glyphosate in this, especially in the United States. We consume 25% of the world's market of glyphosate. We're, the, we're king on, on glyphosate, so we've got more than anybody else. 
And uh, organic, certified organic is bound to be better, but not guaranteed to be free from glyphosate, unfortunately. But I certainly, we buy only certified organic when we shop. We're very strict about that in this household. And I would encourage everybody listening to do the same. Uh, That would be the best way to protect yourself from future exposure. Then you have the problem of getting rid of the glyphosate that you've already got in your body, which is a bigger problem. Right. Well, let's take a short break. We'll be right back and we'll pick up from there. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Victory Nutrition International is a company that developed with the vision of truly transforming lives. Our liquid, multivitamin, and mineral is unlike any other on the market today. Designed by seasoned professionals using the latest proprietary technology, it is the only supplement that delivers more than 100% nutrition directly into your cells and changes cells in just five minutes. Most of us are not consuming the nutrition we need, which contributes to degeneration, deterioration, decay, premature aging, and disease. Please visit vnilife.com forward slash whole healthy living and order your sample today. The Weston A. Price Foundation provides accurate information on nutrition and health. Find out why butter is a health food. What's wrong with modern soy products? And why good health is found in the wise food traditions of our ancestors? Visit our informative and fascinating website at www.westonaprice.com. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wholehealthylivingradio at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. So before we delve into nutrition and um, what people can do with their diets to eliminate many of these toxins from their bodies, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Seneff, um, you made a comment back um, in 2014 and you said at today's rate, by 2025, one in two children will be autistic. That comment was greatly criticized. Um, how did you come to that number? And um, did- I will. Um, basically, if you just take the curve, so if you look at the curves provided by the CDC ever since the 1970s, and you look at the number of uh, kids with autism over time and you plot that curve, uh, you can see that it's exponential growth. I saw that in 2002, 2003, which was when I started to 
uh, get interested in autism and try to figure out what's going on there because exponential growth is really scary. Um, you can t- when you if it is exponential, you can take a log and you'll see a straight line, and you can project it. And indeed, that's what happens if you take a log of the data from the CDC on autism. You get a straight line. You extend that line into the future. What you will get is 2032 with that straight line is the magic number that year when half the children born, 80% of the boys, by the way, will be on the spectrum. And that is a year I don't want to face in the future. I will tell you this is why I am so active in this campaign, because we need to turn this around. I think it's worse than that. That's why I said 2025, because when I see everything going in the wrong direction, more and more chemicals, we now have this glufosinate, which is also a synthetic amino acid. And because glyphosate's failing on the weeds, they're starting to add uh, other, other chemicals, uh, glufosinate 2,4-D, which is an, uh, a component of Agent Orange that they used in Vietnam, um, dicamba. These are all really nasty herbicides. Uh, government is happy to approve. I mean, there's endless duo now that's coming out, and the government initially approved it, no problem. Then they retracted their approval. I was quite surprised, but then no surprise there. Now it's back again. So the government has no teeth. You know, they're like, fine, we don't care. You're poisoning the children. That's fine. This really, really breaks my heart. Um, this country should be great, and we are above this kind of behavior. You know, we should be able to stand up to these chemical companies and say, no, we don't want your chemicals. We want our children to be healthy. And we're not doing that. I really put a lot of the blame on the legislators. I am really disappointed that they are willing to just, you know, lie down and say, fine, poison the children, we don't care. And so I think it's going up. And, in fact, the newest numbers out from the CNC, uh, CDC, 1 in 45, just came out last uh, fall. That's above the line on this straight line. So if we keep this up, we're going to make my, my deadline of 2025, which... Uh, is really scary. I'm trying to get the government to, t- to wake up and take notice of what's happening and recognize that we don't need an enemy. We don't need an external enemy. We've got our own internal enemy that's going to take this country down if we keep this up. And so are you involved? What are, how are you involved politically with all this? I try to do less politics than I, I don't like to do politics, actually. I'd much rather be doing science. I love the science. I'm happiest when I'm reading a very hard paper that's giving me new insight on some aspect of biology. I only do the politics because I feel I have to. So I don't do a lot of politics. I mean, I am. I do campaign in certain things that come up right now. There's something going on in Boulder where they're trying to uh, get uh, get rid of uh, a law that allows them to grow um, to grow GMO crops, Roundup Ready crops on public land. So if I see something that looks interesting, I play around with it a bit, you know, write a letter. But I'm pretty low-key on the politics, actually. So to the average person, what do you recommend? I mean, I do a lot of... Oh, other people could definitely get involved in politics. This would be great because that's something that people who don't have the kind of science background I have, they can contribute. I would encourage anybody looking at... I mean, I hope that everybody listening says, oh, my God, what can I do to help? And please do help because we need everybody to be pitching in to fight this. This is really, I think, a national emergency, in my opinion. And uh, so politically, people can definitely get involved locally. Try to get look at your local town, see if you have some, just to say, pass a law that says glyphosate can't be used in public places, glyphosate can't be used on schoolyards. I mean, my, my granddaughter, for example, my, my daughter-in-law has told me, you know, they just put a sign up on the on the field that said they were going to delay recess by one hour because they had applied glyphosate. I'm like, you know, one hour, that's not going to be nearly enough time, you know? Right, right. You don't put glyphosate on schoolyards, period. That should be a law. That should be a national law. 
Mm. And, of course, it isn't because they know that the perception is that glyphosate is harmless to humans, and that is simply not true. It'd be really nice if people out there, if there's anybody that um, is interested in maybe orchestrating a group um, within Facebook or something to get, you know, get things started politically to really push this forward on glyphosate, um, by all means, email me or Stephanie and, um, you know, maybe we can put our heads together and get things moving politically. But that said, um, you know, again, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are feeling fearful and wondering, like, okay, this is futile. What can we do to protect our families and protect ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, although it's overwhelming, uh, although toxicity is overwhelming and we are bombarded with toxins on a day-to-day basis in so many different ways, um, I want to talk about nutrition and safely removing toxins. That's what I do as a practitioner is I mm-hmm. identify toxins, I put together protocols, and I safely eliminate them. So um, let's start with nutrition, Stephanie. Um, restoring gut microbes. Let's talk about sulfate and sulfur in the diet. What are some great ways right. to get I, those? I absolutely think that people should really be aware of sulfur. It's downplayed. We don't even realize it could be a sulfur deficiency. No one seems to be aware of it in the nutritional community, but we are. And so you can eat foods that contain sulfur. A really good choice is eggs, organic eggs. Uh, they're high in sulfur. They're also high in lots of other nutrients that we need because obviously they're supplying all the nutrition for the chick. Eggs are a very good food, and they're not that expensive, even organic, compared to other things you could be buying. More expensive options, but also healthy, are seafood. Seafood contains a lot of sulfur, all the shellfish. Uh, fish is good, of course, and um, and then also there's vegetables that contain sulfur, the cruciferous vegetables, um, like broccoli and cauliflower, uh, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. Those are all good choices. And garlic, I especially love garlic. I eat as much garlic as we can, and onion. Garlic and onion are both great. Uh, both are good sources of sulfur. So um, I try to keep my sulfur levels really high. You can also soak in Epsom salt baths. I recommend that. That's a way to get sulfate itself directly through the skin. Sulfate is a difficult molecule to transport, and glyphosate messes up the transport mechanism of sulfate, which is one of the reasons why you end up with sulfate deficiency if you're um, exposed to glyphosate. And sulfate, as I said, is really important in the brain to be able to clear the garbage. Sulfate also is important for the blood to be able to circulate, and if the blood can't circulate, you're dead. So you've really got to make sure you get enough sulfate. I think that you will become very vulnerable to infection, if you don't have enough sulfate. And so um, it's, immune cells need the sulfate in order to be able to clear the microbes. And that's the same thing as clearing the garbage, if you think of, of it that way. So uh, getting lots of sulfur in your diet is really important. Eating organic, I already said. Now, the other thing is the microbes. Eating um, fermented foods that are with live uh, culture is really, really good to help renew your microbes. When you've been poisoned by glyphosate, they're going to be completely out of whack. But you can resupply good guys and they will be able to build if you're not continuing to expose yourself to glyphosate. So eating a, probably a lot of probiotics, even possibly taking probiotic supplements at first, if you've got a serious problem to try to overcome that, eventually you should be able to just live on nutrition by eating fermented foods, cheeses and uh, sauerkraut in particular, and um, <clears throat> yogurt, you know, fermented milk products, these kinds of things are really healthy. And um, Now, an interesting thing with respect to glyphosate, there's a paper that I read which was really uh, important to me because it was talking about glyphosate exposure in cows. The cows were getting sick. 
they tested glyphosate in the urine, they treated the cows with uh, bentonite clay, fulvic acid, humic acid, and sauerkraut juice. Sauerkraut juice is probably going to be the probiotics, and the other things are able to chelate out the glyphosate and remove it from the body. And they showed improvements in health as well as reduced levels of glyphosate in the urine after the treatment. So this is really good news because I think these are things you can use. And Sharon probably has other things to recommend with her protocol, but I think it's really... Uh, once you recognize you've been poisoned, and that's going to be if you're sick, you've got Lyme disease or you've got arthritis, you know, there's lots of things, gut problems, all of those are clues, uh, brain fog, any of those symptoms, you know, being exhausted. Um, get rid of the glyphosate by going organic and then eat um, eat the uh, fermentation products and these, um, these uh, organic matter, fulvic acid, humic acid, or organic matter from the soil. Um, these will help you to heal. Bone broths, bone broths are rich in minerals. Bone broth, absolutely. I should have mentioned yeah. that. We, we, my, we cook, my husband cooks a pot of, of soup every, every week, and, and then we drink it. We have soup for dinner every night um, for the week. So bone broth is fantastic. Start with the bones of a, a healthy chicken, an organic chicken, for example, and, then, um, and just cook it for a long time, simmer it for a long time on the stove. You get the uh, nutrition out of the bone marrow, which is really, really good. All the um, is, are, is there sulfur and sulfate in the bone broth? There's going to be sulfur in it as well, yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. You know, sulfur will be one of the minerals that shows up. And it'll have all these, um, you know, you have all these micro, um, these, you need them in only tiny amounts, but they're absolutely essential for the proteins to function. Um, things like cobalt and manganese and uh, zinc, you know, these are the... Um, rare minerals that you, uh, the body uses them very, very well in, um, in making things happen in metabolism. Okay, so I also want to talk about symptoms of a toxic body. Um, so often people don't even realize that, you know, these symptoms come from somewhere and symptoms that they might want to consider uh, being part of toxicity are headaches, candida, gas, acne, fatigue, constipation, infertility, racing pulse, arthritis, constant hunger, dizziness, hyperactivity, allergies, bloating, body odor, general aches and pains, cancer, weakness, poor skin, PMS, sweaty palms, difficulty breathing, premature aging, obesity, irritability, Depression, asthma, bad breath, insomnia, sinus congestion, that's a big one, varicose veins, and difficulty concentrating. Again, these are all symptoms of a toxic body. So anybody that's... that's, Yeah. um, That's great. I I agree with you. I wouldn't have been able to come up with that list, but it's fantastic as you were reading them off. Yeah, you're right. Yes, that too. And the nose is very interesting. The runny nose. They're just having a, a blocked sinus, runny nose. The, the nose is actually making something called sulfomucins, and these are things that are really going to supply that sulfate to the gut. So the nose is working hard to try to fix the problem when you've got issues with a blocked sinus or a, or a runny nose. Your nose is trying to make um, sulfate that's going to um, help to fix the problem. Yeah. Well, you re- actually get total toxic exposure is coming from um, physical. It comes from injury, inflammation, uh, eccentric exercise. There's nutritional, which um, is preservatives and additives, alcohol, trans fatty acids, 
Um, there's chemical exposures, xenobiotics, organics. Um, there is infection, which is endotoxins and exotoxins, such as bacterial fungus, parasitic infections. So again, we're you know really slammed with these things from so many different sources, and it's important that you get them out of the body. So like you were saying, Stephanie, we can certainly nourish our bodies with healthy food to support the systems uh, to function properly and remove the toxins. But what often happens is people are so bombarded with toxins, you really need to work with a practitioner to have a proper protocol put together to um, get the bulk of the toxins out. Then once the bulk of the toxins are out, um, you can then resort to, you know, using nutrition to support that as well as um, detoxif- you know, a detoxification cleanse, if you will, as the seasons change. And those are ways that you can actually eliminate toxins such as glyphosate and many of the other toxins that we've talked about from the body. So um, I want to encourage everyone to, you know, read books on the on detoxification. If you do need a um, practitioner to help you guide you and put together the proper protocol to detoxify you, I am available. Um, I do free consultations. You can reach me at www.wholehealthyliving.com um, or you can email me at Whole Healthy Living, W-H-O-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-L-I-V-I-N-G, the number four, the letter U, at gmail.com. And I also want to take a minute just to, um, we're closing out the show here, and I want to thank you, Stephanie, for joining me today, but I want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge Weston A. Price Foundation and my sponsor, Sally Fallon, um, who has really helped me make this show happen. We now have listeners from everywhere around the world. We're gaining in popularity. People are interested in these topics and want answers and expert information. So I look forward to seeing everyone again next week. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you Friday. Thank you for listening to Whole Healthy Living. Please join Sharon Brennan again next Friday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great weekend of clean, whole, healthy living, and we'll see you here next week.